Good morning. I am Patty Williams, a facilitator of women's Bible studies. Our verse this morning is from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. Please open your Bibles or follow along on the screen. For it was fitting that he, through whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Thank you, Patty. Good to see you here this morning. Let's pray. Lord, it's such a, an important section of Scripture. And um, so I pray this morning that, that wherever uh, each of us may, may find ourselves in life, uh, whether we, we know you, love you, and are walking with you, or maybe know you and love you but are struggling in our faith in some way, or, Lord, maybe we've never put our faith and trust in you. Lord, meet us where we are at today and help us to see that you, Jesus, are the bridge. You are the one who has made a way for us to be reconciled to God. You are brother, the big brother of the human family. Speak to us through the scripture in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the fact that Almighty God, who created all things from nothing, everything that is, God created out of literally nothing, and the, you know, the stars, the moons, the suns, the planets, the galaxies, and all of that, the earth with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the, his crowning achievement, humans, human beings, uniquely image bearers of God. So this, this immaterial God, he's not material, not physical, God is spirit, the Bible says, dwelling from everlasting. He's, he's timeless and eternal. He's triune that at a certain point he would take on flesh and bone like this. 
this almighty God would become one of us. And this story, which is a fact, is so full of wonder, it just boggles the mind and, and it will explode the heart with joy if you'll allow it. So not only did God become a man, our passage says that he is a brother to all who trust him, that Jesus is our brother. So Jesus quite literally and factually is our big brother in God's eternal family. Now last week, you know, we started the series, Jesus Our Brother, and I told you about the benefit that I had of having four older brothers. Well, uh, no, one, no one messed with me because of that. However, those four older brothers eventually moved out and moved away from our hometown of Moose Lake. And here's what happened. We were at the drive-in Friday night Moose Lake, this is where all the kids would hang out, is at the drive-in movie theater, four miles south of Moose Lake on Highway 61. My dad ran the projector, and so I got in free all the time. It was amazing. And so all the high school kids would be out there at the drive-in uh, on Friday nights, and I was out there, and Kenny Clausen comes walking up to me and says, fatness you, blankety, blankety, blank. I'm gonna blankety, blank, blank you. And he, I mean, he is worked up into a lather. Now, Kenny Clausen, I mean, he was a brawler. He was a bully. He wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer either. And he was kind of drunk and he is picking a fight with me. He is going hard and he's just chewing me out, cussing me out and just getting ready to go. And I say, no, hold, hold on, Kenny. Don't you think you're generalizing here? <laughs> I kid you not, this is a, this is a true story. So in, in, in a, I think, a relatively calm voice, don't you think you're generalizing? And Kenny Clausen goes, and he looks around in bewilderment, like, like what does that even mean? <laughs> and, and I was able to talk him off of the ledge from there. And I got away that night without a scratch on me. And so... In our passage this morning, we have the biggest, baddest bully of them all, Satan. And this big, bad bully has a weapon. The weapon of Satan is death, it says. And with this formidable weapon, he keeps humans enslaved because humans are afraid of it. Now, additionally, in our passage, we have Jesus Christ, God the Son, who at a certain point in history took on flesh and blood and bone, became one of us, became our big brother, and our big brother Jesus dealt with the big bad bully Satan by using his own weapon against him. So that's the big idea. So I'm going to give you two points to ponder this morning, uh, and this will set us up for the final message in our series tonight. So the first point, <laughs> and it's a little depressing, but life is slavery. Life is slavery. It says it just so clearly. So again, verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that's, that's us, 
He himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same thing. Jesus took, partook of flesh and blood so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. So Jesus taking the very weapon that the devil uses and then using that weapon against the devil. Verse 15, here it is. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now that's a, that's a universal declaration of the human condition apart from Jesus. So it's kind of surprising. He says, apart from Jesus, all humans are slaves. Lifelong, it's the, it's the default condition of human beings. And, this, and, and fear of death is the thing that keeps us enslaved. So, so how does that work? The Greek word for slavery here is dulaia, and it means bondage, of course, limitation, which consists of decay. So bondage and decay. So apart from Jesus, human beings are bound and limited and decaying. Now we might protest and go, wait a minute. Slaves were slaves? I'm not a slave. It can't be talking about people like me or like us. We live in a free country and we can, we can own our own property and we can travel freely and we can start businesses and raise family. That, we're not slaves. What do you mean? That doesn't sound like we're bound and limited. How is that slavery? Well, I want to sketch this out for just a couple minutes with you. Most commentators believe that this passage here is that the writer of Hebrews has in mind the slavery of the Hebrews in the book of Exodus. That that's what he's thinking of as he's writing this section of scripture. He's thinking of the slavery that happened in the book of Exodus. Some of you probably recall this story the Hebrews were enslaved by the Pharaoh of Egypt and made to work long hours, right? The bricks and all of that in order to build Pharaoh's world for him. I mean, that's what they were doing. They were building Pharaoh's projects, his buildings and you know, all the stuff. And so taskmasters, they, they would ensure that the people performed and produced and showed up for work every day or else they would be beaten or even killed. So the power of death was wielded as a weapon to enslave. And so the people fearing death showed up for work for the most part. They did what they were expected to do, and they built Pharaoh's world for him. So the people were enslaved and oppressed, and therefore, if you're gonna imagine yourself in their sandals some, you know, three and a half thousand years ago, now your life is, is shaped by your condition. You are a slave, so you gotta try and make the best out of your life. You gotta try and find meaning in this. That you're showing up every morning to go make bricks and do, okay, this is my life. This is the hand I've been dealt. So fearful of death, they just kept going. 
So, so how, how does this apply to us in our situation three and a half thousand years later? Well, in our scenario and in our passage, Satan is the Pharaoh of this world whose main weapon to enslave humanity is indeed death. Jesus called Satan, in John chapter 12, called Satan the prince of this world. 1 John 5, 19 says that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So in some real kind of effectual way, Satan is the Pharaoh of planet Earth. He has real power to influence and control and so on. His weapon is death. He enslaves people by leveraging their fear of death. People fear death. It's shrouded in mystery. Now, now the fear of death is not necessarily manifested by people walking around biting their finger, fingernails, going, oh, you know, being afraid that they're going to die. But rather, it's a living in denial of it. It's keeping it out here. And so, though death is coming at every one of us like an unstoppable freight train, no one gets out of here alive. Most people live in denial of it, trying to make sense of life and existence using only the, the brief span of time we have on the planet as a measuring stick. How do you get meaning out of this? We get, if we're blessed, we get 80 years, right? If we're super blessed, we get overtime and get to 90 or whatever. But that's it. So, so if, if that's it, if life is only this 80 or 90, if we're blessed, then life is just experiences. It's just things we experience, things we see, things we hear, things we do. How... How does that even make sense? And then we die. Well, what do most people do? They avoid thinking about it, and they just try and find meaning and purpose in their activities and their pursuits. Now, I'm not going to ask if any of you watch Ted Lasso, or if you're Ted Lasso fans, but we will find out in just a moment, because there's a character on that show, Danny Rojas, and he says, Football is life. Football is life. Okay, a couple of you laughed. That means you watched it. Football is life. Life has to be something for us. There has to be something that, that's the thing that we get out of bed for. What is it? Well, it's different things for different people. But here's the thing. Nothing that we build or acquire or accumulate or accomplish will go with us. Nothing. Zero. Job said it. Hey, we came in naked. We came in with our birthday suit. That's all. We're going out with exactly the same amount. Nothing. So in effect, we spend our 60, 70, or 80 years building Pharaoh's world for him. We leave it behind. We exit. And there it is. Psalm 49, 16 says, be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away and his glory will not go after him. Don't be afraid of some big shot wealthy person. That person is leaving it all behind and whatever glory they may have achieved, done. 
Now, okay, maybe you're still having a hard time swallowing this idea that humanity is in slavery, you know, kind of cosmic spiritual slavery, Satan being the Pharaoh, because people, they do enjoy life and, and they get rich and, and that, that just doesn't seem like slavery. But, but let's think a little deeper here. Those who do well in this life financially, gaining wealth and riches, they are not always, but they are often enslaved by the very riches they gain. Their riches are impoverished. They're cursed in a sense, not in the voodoo way. Because the wealth that is gained, it's done so always under the looming shadow of certain death. And it's accompanied so often by frustration and sorrow, worry, and, and all the rest. Because there's this distant, dull ache of knowing that it's, it's going to be forfeited eventually, and you may even lose it before that. The richest man on planet Earth 3,000 years ago, Solomon, said this, Ecclesiastes 1-2, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, it's all emptiness. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Okay, he's he getting right to the question. Right? What, what is the purpose of this? Why are we sitting on this ball that's spinning in space and we get up every morning and we go to work and we do the thing and we pay the bills and we try and make sense out of, out of the daily? What do you get by working as a slave for Pharaoh Satan? There was a country song out years ago. Um, Work your fingers to the bone, what do you get? Bony fingers. <laughs> that song kind of has the same theme, the same, hey, what do you get? So Ecclesiastes 1.8, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. So, so our eyes and our ears are taskmasters working for Satan. So they're never satisfied. Our eyes and ears, they always demand more of us. Your eyes are always telling you to look at more YouTube videos and more TikTok videos. They never go, we're done. I just, I, I've had my fill. You know, how many times you need to see the video of the pinata and the kid swings at it, misses and hits his or her dad in the privates and how many times you need to see that? Well, at least one more because I'm going to show it and my eyes want to see it. How many podcasts do you need to listen to or TV or whatever? We're never, our eyes and ears are never satisfied. How much more time do you need to be on Amazon looking at you know, golf clubs or rifles or fashion or whatever. The eyes and the ears will never be satisfied apart from Jesus. They are bottomless pits. Second Timothy 3, 7. We're always learning, but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just more. Just give me more. 
Proverbs 27, 20, Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. So whatever the shiny new thing is you get tonight or tomorrow morning or whatever, man, it's going to be awesome for a minute. And then pretty soon you're going to be wanting the next thing. This is slavery. That's what it looks like. There's nothing new under the sun. We're bound and limited and decaying. The big bad bully Satan, the, the Pharaoh of this world, wields the weapon of death and says, keep grinding, keep feeding your insatiable appetite. This is all you get. Eat and drink and be merry and experience and whatever, because that's the meaning of life. Shortly before his death, Mark Twain wrote this, quote, a myriad of men are born. They labor and sweat and struggle. They squabble and scold and fight. They scramble for little mean advantages over each other. Age creeps up upon them. Infirmities follow. Those they love are taken from them and the joy of life is turned to aching grief. It, death comes at last, the only unpoisoned gift earth ever had for them and they vanish from a world where they were of no consequence, a world which will lament them for a day and forget them forever. You know, I was thinking about this. My wife mentioned our grandkids and the, you know, the joy of seeing Christmas through their eyes and our grandkids will remember their grandparents, but their kids, probably won't remember Pam and I. I mean, it'll be just a couple generations and we'll be forgotten, even in our family. There's a whole planet full of people that are toiling day in and day out to try and make sense of life on planet Earth, but it doesn't add up. Satan, the pharaoh of the world, he wields the power of death as a weapon to keep people grinding and pushing and lusting for more. Some people feel the despair in our day and age. The despair is, is, is bubbling over more than ever. Others just whistle their way to the grave, but life indeed is slavery. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a great... That's our sermon. <laughs> All right, point number two. We'll go ahead and shift the gears here. So that's the human condition that Jesus came into. Again, verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So, so here's the great news. Our big brother Jesus disarmed the devil. He took the weapon, death, out of his hands and he used death to deliver the slaves, us, to freedom. How? How did Jesus do that? Well, first he had to become something he never had been before. That's the incarnation. That's the Christmas story. That's almighty God becoming a little tiny baby born in a manger in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, which by the way is closed right now. 
because of what's going on in Israel. Where Jesus was born, you cannot celebrate Christmas there. It's a picture for us. Jesus was born, but he was born to die. He had to die in the place of the slaves as a representative of the slaves. So, so back to the Exodus story, just for a moment. Moses, remember that? He grew up in Pharaoh's court. He was a prince of Egypt. He was sovereign over all those Hebrew slaves for many years. And so for him to free those people, something would have to happen. He would have to get a heart for them, right? I mean, Moses, he was an Egypt guy. And so they're, they're the slaves, they're, they're doing all the work, they make Moses' life easy, so somehow Moses needs to get a heart for them, and then he would have to declare himself and identify himself with the people as one of them. And the same weapon that Pharaoh wielded to enslave the people would become the weapon that would destroy Pharaoh and then liberate the Hebrews. Now you remember this, but I'll read it to you. Hebrews eleven twenty four. by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin for a season. So Moses had to make a choice to come out of his glory as royalty in Egypt to go down to the level of the slaves and identify with them in order to free them. That's incarnation, that's identification. Now Moses willingly laid aside his glory, but watch this, Hebrews eleven twenty eight. and by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So the Passover, the spotless lamb was slain by the tribes of the Hebrews. The blood was applied to the homes of the Hebrews. The angel of death would, would come to kill the firstborn child in all the homes in Egypt. But when that angel of death got to the home that had blood painted on the doorpost, the angel of death would what? Would pass over that home. So this was the judgment that would push Pharaoh over the edge. He relented and finally told Moses, take the people and leave. So, so Pharaoh's weapon to enslave God's people, death, was used against him and used to free the people of God. It was death that destroyed Pharaoh's power and death that liberated God's people. So just as Moses left his glorious position as a prince of Egypt in order to identify with his Hebrew family, so too Jesus left the glory of heaven, took on flesh and blood in order to identify with you and with me and with us. He became a poor slave like the rest of us. God Almighty. You know, there's a line in the song that we sing, O Holy Night. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, his gospel is peace. And chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. 
and in his name all oppression shall cease. It wasn't enough for Jesus to identify with us by becoming one of us, just like in Egypt, death would have to be employed as the means to disarm the Pharaoh of this world uh, and, and uh, to take his weapon, death, from him. And death would also be used to liberate the people who were in bondage to the Pharaoh. So how did our big brother Jesus wrest that weapon out of Satan's hands? Colossians 2.15 says, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him at the cross. He disarmed by dying on the cross. Like Pharaoh, the weapon of death was wrested from Satan's hand by death, the death of our perfect brother. And just like the death of the Passover lamb meant uh, deliverance from slavery to God's people then, so the death of the lamb of God means deliverance from slavery to God's people today. So now, if you're in Christ, We're no longer afraid of death and running from it. In fact, we can look at the brevity of our life and lean forward into it. We're not limited to earth. The best is yet to come. What we do here doesn't stay here. Oh, the material does. But whatever you do in your desire to honor God in your life, that is sent ahead to your future life with him. The Bible just calls it rewards or glory. And so your temporal life here on the planet is feeding your eternal joy in the next life, in the new world to come. So not only is death not a tyrant over us like it was, we actually press forward towards it. Moses prayed in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. It's wise to think, okay, I've got, you know, whatever, 20 years left. How do I wanna spend those years? Lord. I want to spend them serving you. I want them to count. Lord, make my life count. I don't want to, I don't want to squander my life, Lord. I know I get so many days. It's, it's the, you know, today, it's, it's, gonna, it's one less on the clock for fatness today. Peel one off on the calendar. I'm getting closer to that day. So, Lord, I want my life to count. So help me be wise in the decisions that I make, the conversations that I have. Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call. <laughs> like, I'm pressing toward it. I'm not afraid of it. It's an amazing verse. I, I've pondered this a couple of verses here a lot over the years. But just listen to this. 
1 Corinthians 3, 22. The world or life or death or the present or the future are all yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Now, now think about this. When, when you think, and this happens so often when you ponder a passage or a phrase or a verse in the Bible, it is so pregnant with meaning. So if you're a believer here this morning, the world is yours. That's what he said. The world is yours. Jesus said that in his Sermon on the Mount. The meek shall inherit the earth. So it's yours, part of your inheritance. Life is yours. Eternal life. Eternal life is not something you wait to get. It's something you have. So it's a good question to ask yourself this morning. Do you know that you have it? And you should. And if there's a question in your heart about that, then you need to make sure this morning. These things write we unto you that you would know that you have eternal life. An eternal life that is found in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Know you, that you have it. You have life, it's yours. The present is yours. Tonight or tomorrow, presents are going to be yours. The future is yours. But here's the kicker. Death is yours. You're like, eh, I think I'm going to re-gift that one. Listen, you don't belong to death. Death belongs to you. You don't serve death, death serves you. If you're a Christian here this morning. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are free from the tyranny of the Pharaoh of this world and his main weapon, death. You no longer have to grind out what you can from this life and push and, and whatever and just try and experience as many things as you can and let your eyes get filled with seeing this and doing that and whatever and, you know, and to try and make sense of it all. You're free. You're free to walk with God. You're free to live the adventure of your life by obeying Jesus Christ and following him into a glorious, abundant life on this crazy planet. Because our brother Jesus, death has gone from being a weapon in the hands of a cruel tyrant to being a liberating tool in the hands of a gracious Savior. I was listening to a podcast because my two ears, they never get enough and um, Yuval Noah Harari is an Israeli historian, and he wrote a book recently uh, called Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow. And uh, so this is a brilliant guy, but you know, 2023, AI just kind of just blew up on our radar screen, didn't it? And all of a sudden, like, everybody's talking about it. Well, this guy, brilliant guy, homo deus, by the way, 
homo man deus god, man god, he's arguing that in our century that AI is gonna overcome the technicalities of death so that humans will be able to live, at least theoretically, forever. And at that point in his thinking, we go from homo sapien to homo deus, gods. So you, you can hold out for hope that technology will overcome death, or you can put your faith and trust in the one who already overcame death. Jesus Christ went into the grave for three days and he came out on the other side. The grave could not possibly hold him. He is life himself. And he offers you eternal life today. It's yours for the asking. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are, we are amazed at your grace and mercy that you are not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Man, that, that verse just always gives such an incredible sense of wonder and warmth. <laughs> and, and even though we may, may not have been the best brothers and sisters in the last week or month or year or whatever, you're, you're not being ashamed of us isn't predicated upon how good we behave, it's, it's predicated upon our relationship with you, if we're in you. And Lord, we want that. We want that to shape our desires in our lives and we wanna, we wanna become more mature people and more holy people. But Lord, we are, we are just staggered by your grace that you would love us and identify with us and not be ashamed of us even when we are behaving in a shameful way. It's shocking and jarring, but it's also heart softening. So thank you, Lord, and pray that you would revive your brothers and sisters here this morning reawaken them to their purpose, that they're made for more than just grinding it out and pursuing earthly goals and, and all of that. But they're built to live for your glory. To walk in harmony with you, in obedience to you. Lord, for those that are with us this morning that maybe, maybe they've been gaining a sense of the slavery of life, that life is so limiting. And but Lord, maybe you brought them here this morning so that you could set them free. You are the God 
who became a man entered in to this slave market of planet Earth, went to the cross to pay for our sin and our wickedness, went straight into the grave, took that weapon of death from Satan's hands, and then blew the end out of the grave. And you now offer eternal life to whoever would believe on you. If you are ready to believe in Jesus Christ, trusting him to save you, letting him have the control of your life, when you call Jesus Lord, that's what you're saying. You're saying, I'm taking my hands off of the control and I'm giving it to you. You, I want you to be my king. I'm tired of being my own king. Or I'm tired of driving my own car of life. I've, I've driven it into the ditch too many times. Lord, take over. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. That's bad. Country song theme this morning. But that's what he's asking. That's the invitation. Confess him as Lord and you will be saved. So if that's you, raise up your hand right now and I want to pray with you. If you're ready to trust in Jesus, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? God bless you way back there. God bless you, ma'am, over here. I realize you may not, you know, you may not have a total understanding of, of what this all means, but if I could just boil it down, you, you are trusting Jesus Christ, God the Son who became a human being, died on the cross, rose from the dead. You're putting your faith in him. You're centering your trust in him. and he will do the rest. It's what he does. All right, anybody else? All right, uh, for all of you who raised your hand, I want you to pray this simple prayer. I'll help you. You can just repeat it. Jesus is gonna hear you. So repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, I come to you now. as a sinner. Please come into my heart. Wash away my sin. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I give you control. My life is yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Can you welcome those who prayed this morning?